0: hi and welcome to drafting compliance i'm kane he's tom and we talked about media protection last time today we're talking about personnel security based on a conversation i had with CISO about how they have a former government agency employee handling their ongoing personnel security but before we get to that A friend of mine who works in the aerospace industry and who says that spreadsheets are still unfortunately his life recommended some local beers from the Pacific Northwest. He gave us four cans and I sent another four cans to you. What's funny is he said I'd hate one of the four. So today's episode is a bit of a roulette spin to see if I regret asking for his (laughs) beer recommendations.
1: What are we drinking today, Tom? We are drinking a Raspberry goes. So that's the, that's the cans by Colshan Brewing Company, which I believe Kulshan. Kulshan Kulshan. is up in your neck of the woods. Uh, which They're in sense. my
0: hometown, actually, of Bellingham, Washington.
1: Awesome. Um, the you know, city Goses, of subdued excitement. Gozes are uh, usually a very drinkable beer. They tend to, to move towards the sour. Um, okay. Traditional Gozes aren't nearly as sour as the ones you seem to, to find today. They're often paired with something else uh, from the fruit or sometimes vegetable variety. So you can get a cucumber goes occasionally, uh, which is actually pretty good. And they're usually, you know, like 50% or more uh, malted grains. So I see this one is heavily uh, wheat malted. So...
0: And this is a a raspberry goes as well. I think uh, he'd mentioned that this is using local raspberries. And before the show, Tom and I were talking and uh, Whatcom County, where I live, actually produces between 85 and 95 percent of the red raspberries in the United States. So if you've had a raspberry smoothie today or if you've got some frozen raspberries or if you have fresh raspberries you just bought at your grocery store, odds are I know where they came from and it's about uh, 10 miles that away. Where the wow. fields
1: are. See, I think yeah, of Washington very as, as a cherry uh, capital, not as a raspberry capital. So that
0: is the desert side on the other side of the Cascades. All right. We do not grow cherries on my side of the mountains.
1: We learn or something not, new every day. Well, I'm going to crack yeah, exactly. This here. Well,
0: let's, let's crack this open and see how it goes.
1: Mm. I don't mm-hmm. smell much now raspberry. It's, oh, it's, oh, it's
0: sort of pinkish at least on yeah, account of it like it's got right raspberries right. in. Well. And I'm managing to fit this entire one in the glass. I prefer this size of can as opposed to the tall boys.
1: Which, so this has uh, just, an almost, like... it has very small bubbles. It's it's almost like an effervescent bubble. Oh, geez. Wow. There's stuff
0: floating. I'm not sure if that'll come through in the camera, but there's like chunks in yeah.
1: the glass. I don't have that, Kane, if I'm being honest, so...
0: Oh, good time. So I'm guessing these are like raspberry That's, seeds. Like maybe they didn't strain it. No, uh, I didn't.
1: I uh, didn't straight dump mine, so this could Ooh. be that it's in mine. But there's some interesting. Now this smells. does smell
0: like raspberries.
1: I do smell raspberry. raspberry.
0: Um, I get a maybe honey. a little bit of that beer smell. <laughs> You're right, though. Very small bubbles, like almost a almost yeah. a
1: champagne bubble yeah, size like small thing. but they're not yeah. going
0: they're not going straight up though and the, and they and disappeared kind of cloudy quick.
1: so oh it's yeah, very, no kidding yeah, it's very cloudy very hazy I'm gonna try it yeah all right same same mm. so you definitely get the raspberry oh. flavor
0: oh yeah that's oh gosh you know those sour patch kids things or any other sour candy like this is kind of kind of reads like that and i'm not a fan of sour things as i think yeah. we're, we're learning on the show yes i like bitters but that. i don't like sour
1: the 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 sour is pretty you know if, if you're a fan of sour beers you wouldn't call this particularly sour it's pretty thin so it's not you know well, not i will say popular. i will
0: i will give you that this is not one of those ones where you tell me it coats the tongue and i like after the show get a tongue brush and like try and get the rest of it off
1: yeah <laughs> Um, But it does taste
0: of raspberries.
1: Yeah, if you like raspberries and you like sours, I think you will really like this beer. This is a a healthy dose of of raspberry flavor. I like it.
0: You know, I've been to their brewery, too, not for their beer, but for their um, cheese curds. And um, what is that? Poutine. Um, I recommend their poutine more than I recommend Mm -hmm. their beer. Uh, That is a a true story there about being, being near Canada. Well, I wanted to... St- to finish the story about the intro about the CISO that I know. Um, because while most people in in cybersecurity industry are familiar with the concept of a background check, my understanding is the CISO's company goes a little step further. Their head of security actually uses a combination of open source intelligence and proprietary sources to vet anyone who wants to work in their FedRAMP environment because their particular organization is concerned about espionage by adversarial nation states. The CISO mentioned that includes not just looking Through court records, but also bank statements and social media to help determine if anyone's a potential blackmail risk. So, with that in mind, Tom, what is personnel security?
1: Well, you certainly pulled the covers back a little bit already, Kane. You know, this is all of the formal process you have around uh, the people you bring into your organization, certainly um, how you vet them initially, um, how you Make sure that as they move about inside your company, they move with the proper permissions and shed the ones they no longer need. Certainly talks about how you terminate an employee, too, and what are the requirements around that. There are a couple things that I would consider um, maybe surprises to folks that are in uh, in the spec as well. First being this also talks about external personnel that work in the environment. So you have to account for Oh, like for contractors. Folks. Yep, you got it. Uh, it talks about uh, position descriptions and, and putting risk values on every employee as well that works in the environment. So those are things that I would say are going to be a surprise, but largely the rest of this fits um, pretty neatly into common controls that you would have in your organization
0: okay and so how do organizations typically establish personnel security policies and uh procedures to meet those requirements of federal moderate
1: yeah good question so most organizations will have what i would call fairly informal process around this already so it's really about formalizing mm-hmm. processes that may be otherwise informal and then maybe notching them up in terms of of scrutiny uh due diligence and documentation so you're going to want to look at how you bring employees in today and document that and cross-reference it against the FedRAMP standard and say, where do I have a gap? It's like we've done with every, um, um control family so far, right? I will say that typically, um, these are going to be more, uh, uh, established in organizations than a lot of the other control families that we, we come across. So it's not going to be a tremendous lift. You know, I've talked with our internal HR, we have to uplift slightly some of the things that we do, and we have to formalize documentation that was otherwise informal. Otherwise, we we had most of these in, in place already.
0: Oh, that's good. And, and part of this reminds me of working with financial organizations when I was doing um, both consulting as doing executive advisory, but also when I was running professional services. Whenever we wanted to send somebody on site into a fintech or a financial institution, um, they would go through additional layers of background screening, not only from our company, but also from the client's company, which in some cases, I had consultants on teams who were like, nope, sorry, don't ever put me at a fintech. I I don't want to go through that uh, level of scrutiny because of uh, effects on their credit scores. But I, I want to ask you, Tom, what are some common screening procedures or background checks that are used by organizations that will meet those personnel security control family
1: requirements? Sure. You know, there is different levels of scrutiny that you have to uh, consider depending on what level of FedRAMP you're going through. So we're going through moderate. So I'll talk specifically Mm -hmm. about moderate. You know, we have to make sure that we do a background check and an identity verification check. So do we do we know that the person uh, has been, you know, clean, clean record through his career? And do we know that this person is who they say they are essentially now? As you indicated, some organizations take it steps further, and you are absolutely encouraged to do so with FedRAMP. So it's not, well, it may not be explicit, it's it's encouraged, so you might do a credit Encouraged,
0: check. but not a hard requirement, for example. So you, you don't, don't have again. to do like a hard credit check then.
1: Correct. Um, but you might want to consider it, and I think it's very appropriate, depending on the type of business you do, to take that additional step. So for instance, if we were a processor of financial transactions, um, through our platform, I would want to move it forward and do that as well because of the the chance of of malfeasance occurring in that sort of scenario. Now, if you talk about what it means if you process sort of critical high data in, in terms of government data, um, you know you you're you're talking about probably going to a FedRAMP high status rather than moderate. And you're going to have to reassess your individuals on uh, really a scale, depending upon the kind of data you store. So if you're, if you're highly classified data, you're going to have to revet your employees every five years. If it's top security, it's going to be every 10 and so on and so forth. It goes down the line to I think 15 years total. So, um, just be aware that that would happen underneath moderate. There is the odd, uh, potential to have, uh, Leo or law enforcement organizations underneath your, um, banner. And if that happens, you will have to revet every 15 years, I believe.
0: Okay. But otherwise, under federal moderate, we're not having to do anything like well, no one will need to have a security clearance.
1: That's right. We, we don't anticipate any security clearances. Of course, if we get that kind of customer base, we will pivot to meet that need. You know, We will do things annually to, um, to provide diligence to our employees, which would be in, in, including things like continued training, uh, which is a requirement underneath this anyway for security personnel, but we do it for all our employees um, every I think three years. You have to redesignate the risk level for every employee that works in the environment. So um, we will do that and which means as we as we do that, we may change controls around an individual based upon uh, a new risk profile that, that we uncover. So there are things that you will do that this policy covers, but uh, it's it's not the kind of um, diligence that you'd have at initial hiring. Fantastic.
0: And if you're enjoying this conversation on YouTube, ring the bell to get notifications about our continuing attempts to find any beers I like, or just subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Now, Tom, I want to ask about how organizations ensure that their personnel are adequately trained in security principles and practices, which is part of the personnel security control family in FedRAMP moderate.
1: It is. It specifically calls out that anybody who has responsibilities for security or privacy needs to needs to have ongoing training. I take the stance that everybody has uh, information security responsibility and privacy responsibility Definitely. in the organization. So we take that to Agreed. mean that essentially that this policy dovetails right into our security awareness training policy. Um, that policy does designate different levels of training. So we have the security awareness training that is all our employees and then we have another heightened level for people who have specific responsibilities in information security meaning they're on the cert team they might be on the bcp team or something like that okay so additional training
0: based on individuals roles um, can you talk a little bit about the role of ongoing personnel security assessments and how they contribute to an organization's overall security posture in a FedRAMP modern moderate environment?
1: Well, again, when you're talking about ongoing personnel assessments, you're really talking about what are the things that your policy requires you to do to make sure your individuals are uh, continuing to be at the same level of, of security awareness and training. So there's not there's not a secret sauce here. This is, do you reassess your employees on a, on a given cycle to know what their risk profile is? Do you provide mm-hmm. them information security training that's appropriate for their, their job role and function? And then if, if the rope if the profile of risk changes, do you put controls in place that are appropriate?
0: Okay, fantastic. And, and when you say personnel, like individual risk, do we mean to the role or do we mean risks by an individual?
1: Well, I think it's both. So you have to consider that an individual in a given position has inherent risk because of of the role, but also because of factors in 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 their life or their or their um, um, trajectory from a career perspective. So you you bring all those into the risk profile. So for instance, um, you know if you bring in a brand new employee and give them a bunch of access, I think the risk is you don't know that employee well enough yet. So you have to yeah. you have to judge that risk a little higher than somebody mm-hmm. you've known for for you know a number of years or or has sort of sort of scaled into that role. And that's just an example. Um, again if you're if your CFO suddenly becomes your CEO, there's a different risk profile associated with that individual as well. Um, maybe it's less. Because the CFO has a lot of keys that CEO shouldn't necessarily have in his pocket. So um, the reality is, is you have to look at it based upon the company and the profile of the company and how it's ran. Look at it by the position and look at it by the individual. Okay.
0: And and so getting more to to brass tacks then, how do organizations ensure that proper separation of duties and responsibilities within their personnel to minimize the risk of unauthorized access to information systems in that moderate setting?
1: Yeah, great question. Of course, initially you're talking about how do you set up an employee, right? So you should have Mm -hmm. the the principles of least privilege installed from the very beginning. So this talks about onboarding an employee, and it dovetails Mm -hmm. directly into processes that we have uh, for onboarding an employee. Always we onboard with the idea that we should give this person the least privilege that they need to do their job. That's a Mm -hmm. information best practice. Now the next step of this. Is as you move through an organization, you get promoted, you fill a gap in a different group, whatever it is, you need to have your permissions relooked at, and this talks about that too. There's there's timelines. I think it's within 24 hours of of the acceptance in in the actual uh, move to the new role. So, for uh-huh. instance, if you were to take a job on, and it doesn't start for two weeks. You don't have to remove permissions in that in that period, but once that two week period starts or ends, I should say, Uh, you have 24 hours to to remove old permissions that are no longer required. And then you have to That's good, because I I found a
0: lot of organizations just historically have struggled with permissions aggregation and with removing people's permissions. Um, I can think of a couple instances where, you know, we found out that the CEO had access to literally everything because as the founder of the company, you know, many years ago, they just had never had anyone clean up their permissions. So it sounds like in a FedRAMP moderate environment, those rule changes are far more prescriptive and,
1: in line with best practices, a hundred percent. And I think you're exactly spot on, Kane. I don't think I've been to a large organization in my career that hasn't struggled with this. So it's mm-hmm. it's it, this is really forcing the hand of organizations to do what they should have always been doing.
0: Okay. And just going on on those other challenges because we've seen this before Tom both both you and I, I'm sure our viewers have as well. What are some other common challenges organizations face when they're trying to implement the personnel security control family in their journeys towards FedRAMP moderate compliance?
1: Yeah, I would say this one is going to is going to offer fewer challenges than some of the other ones. There's not big technical hurdles here, so you don't have to worry about for instance, in our stance, we don't have to do much in terms of product enhancement for this policy to be mm. active, right? What you do have mm-hmm. to do is formalize activities that that impact functional groups across the organization. So HR is going to head up the adoption of this policy, but there's going to be potentially pillars within your organization that resist that change, right? Um, to your point, you may have a CEO that doesn't want to have his permissions removed, or, or you might have... You know, a director of infrastructure that uh, started as a tier one knock person and has just kept all those permissions. And he likes to be able to go in occasionally and look at Active Directory or whatever it is. Right? Sounds
0: so familiar.
1: Right. So you're going to you're going to the, the big challenge you're going to face here is change. And that's a challenge in every organization. Uh, I think we all recognize that. But this is a necessary change. So it
0: sounds like there's going to be some cultural changes associated with this as well, not just. Uh, so it's more about soft skills in this um, rather than necessarily hard technical requirements. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, fantastic. Well, with that, I want us to move to our uh, beer reviews associated with Kulshin's Raspberry Goes. Um, I guess see. I'll go first. Perhaps I'm going to take one more sip, um, see if it's changed. The raspberry flavor is uh, scent has come far more prominent now over time. So here's where I'm going to come down on this one. Um, I'm going to give this possibly my highest rating. Uh, I'm going to give it a five out of a possible 10. And the reason why is it's very thin. Um, It does not have a prominent unpleasant aftertaste. I happen to like raspberries. And um, because this is not as sour as some of the other things i've drank on this show um this is this is genuinely not terrible um so i'm going to give it a five out of ten
1: good rating uh you know i think it's no secret to anybody that sours aren't my favorite um but in terms of sours this one is not the most sour i mean it's pretty it's pretty drinkable um you mentioned thin as a plus i mentioned thin generally as a minus um but I do like the raspberry flavor. So this one has a convoluted um, set of variables in my head. I'm going to probably go with you and say it's a five. I'm not going to ever. Really? S- we agreed? We agree. Wow. I'm never going to search this out. Um, <laughs> but when somebody says, hey, have you ever had a good goes? Um, I will rate this up there with the cucumber goes that I get locally. That's very good. Um, it's a little less sour, so it's probably a little better, but this is a Mm -hmm. a close second. It's a, a, for it goes, this is pretty good.
0: Fantastic. Well, we both agreed on this one and that's all for today. If you have a beer, you think I'd like, uh, drop it in the comments below and remember to subscribe to top five and five for a show where I talk about macroeconomic factors and regulatory changes in security. Thanks everyone.